listening to this episode from somewhere other than Long Island, maybe you have a picture in your head of the area we've talked about. Maybe you're thinking it's an all-white picket fence kind of place, just subdivisions and fancy beaches. But that's not exactly how it is. Just listen to people like Sister Mary Beth Moore. She's worked with the large Hispanic immigrant community in Hampton Bays for about nine years. Okay, so the east end of Long Island, right? I'm on the mm-hmm. south fork, including the north fork. What are the main industries? Tourism and agriculture. Mm-hmm. Who, what is the mana um, de obra, the, the sweat equity for those industries? Agriculture is in the fields all through from April to October, either in the wineries or in, uh, in the garden, nurseries, chopping trees, uh, cutting hedges. Uh, same with the, the tourist industry. Who makes the beds? Who washes the dishes in the fancy restaurants? I know those people, and many of and they, and if they weren't there, what? Where would the East End be? Sister Mary Beth is describing the Long Island of today. It's increasingly multicultural. In the first congressional district, where she's located, there are about seven hundred and twenty thousand residents. Over a hundred thousand of them identify as Hispanic or Latino. Not all of them are registered voters, of course, but it's a large group. It hasn't always been like that, and the demographic changes have come with some civic tensions. Hampton Bays is a small hamlet, but some property owners have complained that the immigrant influx is making schools and houses even more crowded, and also underfunded. The other side of that argument is that many newcomers are poor and having a hard time adjusting to Long Island. Sister Mary Beth works with some of those people. She's a bilingual member of the Sisters of Charity Religious Order, and she works out of the Hampton Bays organization, Centro Corazon de Maria. The nun says that what she and her colleagues do is untangle knots, try to make things a little easier for immigrants. That's always been tough, but she says things are getting even more difficult in the Trump era, especially given that when Trump talks Long Island and immigration, he talks about the gang MS-13. How does that affect newcomers? Old woman here today with headaches, constant headaches at 28 years old. I mean, why wouldn't she have constant headaches? The the discourse, the very tragic, uh, you know, identification of some wicked and bad murderers who have committed crimes through gang membership tars every Latino youth, every dark-skinned Latino youth in in all of the East End high schools in Brentwood and Central Islip, and many of them who are recently arrived are already traumatized and their parents and family members certainly feel very threatened and scared and unwelcome. Do you mean because of the MS-13 murders in yes, the last couple of years? Yes, because, mm-hmm. n- not, not only because of that, but because of the discourse. I mean, President Trump was here twice to Central Iceland and states over and over again that MS-13 is a, is a that to everyone, which is a falsity, a tremendous exaggeration. There's no doubt that that has to be addressed, but that's a tiny, small minority of, you know, derailed youth. Most of the youth are trying to get by and learn and live on Long Island. 
This is the setting for a community event that Sister Mary Beth went to in September. It was led by Congressman Lee Zeldin, and it was touted as an immigration roundtable in an early news release. One of the groups mentioned on the release was the Concerned Citizens of Hampton Bays, a group that has questioned the effects of immigration. But when Sister Mary Beth and other immigration advocates showed up at Suffolk County Community College for the event, they said they weren't allowed in. The event included the Long Island Farm Bureau and the immigrant family of a 16-year-old murdered by MS-13. Other than that, it was mostly law enforcement, not immigration advocates. So the event turned out to be focused on gang crime, which is an important topic that carries a lot of weight in the district, but it wasn't the more open forum with their representative that some residents thought they were getting. Sister Mary Beth and other immigration advocates saw it as another example of their representative brushing aside immigration reform. She says she's met with Zeldin about immigration before, and he's been polite, but his Republican Party hasn't found a solution on the issue, and Zeldin himself has taken some hardline positions, like supporting a potential legislative restriction of the 14th Amendment, the one that says people born or naturalized here are citizens, the one that Trump wants to eliminate by executive order. Zeldin, for his part, was angry at the event too. He apparently saw the protesters as disruptors. Here's what a Zeldin government spokeswoman said. We are aware that some of the people who showed up at the event wanted entry for the purpose of disrupting the event. Some are paid by Democratic Party super PAC to oppose Congressman Zeldin politically, and others showed up as well, who were actively campaigning politically against the congressman, passing out campaign brochures for the congressman's opponent outside the venue. Two sides, two totally different perspectives. A closed door separating them. Pretty typical of where we are as a country as this midterm season comes to a close. It's been a heated election season on Long Island, particularly in the two congressional districts, first and second, that our podcast, The Bellwether, has covered. In July, an Wisconsin man was arrested after Suffolk police said he threatened to kill supporters of Zeldin and Trump. He went to Zeldin's campaign headquarters and came close to hitting a campaign worker as he drove off, according to cops. The man pleaded not guilty. A Smithtown man was arrested in October after he threatened violence against U.S. senators who supported Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation. There have been incidences of lawn campaign signs being vandalized, too. Dozens of Challenger Perry Gershon signs were found with gay lover and baby killer stenciled around Gershon's name. Gershon, the point is, I guess, supports LGBTQ and abortion rights. That happened after a particularly harrowing week nationally, a week that included a would-be bomber sending explosives to prominent Democrats, and then the Pittsburgh mass shooting, 11 shot dead in a synagogue by an anti-Semite. At a debate after the shootings, Gershon and Zeldin found some common ground on the hate swirling around. You know, this should not happen anywhere in the world. And when you see it happen right here at home, it turns your stomach. That was Zeldin. I'm deeply disturbed, as is Mr. Zeldin, with what happened in Pittsburgh on Saturday. None of this should be happening in America. Gershon joined in. But it didn't last long, and their attacks sometimes ended in confusion. Through it all, Trump has continued tweeting and sometimes actively stirring the pot, like when he marked a caravan of migrants coming from Latin America and invasion. We focused on these two congressional districts for five weeks, 
because they're a microcosm of what's going on nationally. One question about this election is how much will it be a referendum on Donald Trump? Will voters be reacting for or against him and the climate he's helped foster nationwide? If voters react against Trump, you're going to see it play out in the first congressional district. That's where the Zeldin event took place. The first CD is a place that went heavily for Trump in 2016. The president won by 12 points, and that was after Obama won two terms in a row. Zeldin, who's a military veteran, is running for his third term, and he won even bigger than the president last time. He's now focused mostly on local issues, but for much of the term he allied himself closely with Trump, and his constituents could watch him do it on cable news. He's running against first-time candidate Perry Gershon, a former commercial real estate lender who changed his voter registration to East Hampton from Manhattan back in 2017. If Zeldin loses to someone like that in outsider Leary, Suffolk County, it's because the Trump anger was real, and we'll probably see that Trump anger help Democrats across the country. Another question in this election, is this another year of the woman? Will women candidates and women voters break through some of the divides in our politics? Donald Trump's presidency started with hundreds of thousands of women marching against him. The Me Too movement took down dozens of corporate and civic leaders, the president remaining untouched despite allegations about him from multiple women. Luba Gretchen Shirley is one of the women who reacted to all that. She marched on January 21st, 2017. She started a resistance group and soon decided to run. She was taking on the guy who had been her congressman since she was 12 years old, Peter King, a 13-term incumbent. And he's not just any incumbent. He's deeply entrenched in the district, and he's got a reputation for crossing his party on some issues, like funding for 9-11 victims, which is huge in a district with a lot of first responders and families. He also focused on MS-13 and brought funding for that, too. But Gretchen Shirley is highlighting other parts of her opponent's record. His opposition to women's reproductive rights, his belief that the Black Lives Matter movement is dangerous and a lie, his statements about Muslim radicalization. This is a politician who supported Trump's travel ban and has bashed Muslims in the name of counterterrorism. Some GOP social issues like this are pretty popular in the district. And King seems pretty confident. A photo shared around by his opponent's campaign captured him in front of a sign saying, pre-victory celebration at a recent event. But Gretchen Shirley thinks the district is changing. It's gotten a little bit more democratic and literally shifted east through redistricting out of King's old territory. She also thinks she's the person to take advantage of these changes. Women have fared pretty well in this election cycle so far, and some polls indicate well-educated suburban white women turning from Trump. The second congressional district is full of that potential demographic. Either of these races would be huge, huge pickups for Democrats on November 6th. What blue wave? You point out one indication that there's a blue wave. There's none. Naturally, there's plenty of skeptics. There's no blue wave. It's a fictitious. It, it is amazing. Just like, you know, the tax bill was going to be the most horrendous thing in the world and it ends up benefiting the middle class and hurting some of the upper class. Exactly the opposite of what the Democrat Party was saying. This is John J. Laval, the Suffolk County Republican chair. What blue wave? You point out one indication that there's a blue wave. There's none. Registration Laval and many other Republicans think this was really prime Trump country just months ago, and they think it remains that way. It would be wild if Zeldin lost there. And King in the second CD is extremely established. It would take something big to make him lose. 
Which is really all to say that Long Island is going to be a pretty good yardstick for any blue wave to come, now that this heated election cycle is almost over and people are getting ready to vote. Here's a few things to look for going into Election Day. Voter registration in Suffolk County is up this cycle, for Democrats particularly, according to county figures. Since 2010, only the presidential year of 2016 saw more new enrollments for Democrats. That will be important, because all of the first CD and much of the second is in Suffolk, where Democrats already outnumber Republicans. Last week, we also learned that absentee ballot requests were up on both sides, in both counties. Again, Democrats were up more than Republicans. Those absentee ballots may become crucial, like waiting to count them before declaring victory crucial. But we'll see. Outside money made Long Island expensive territory this cycle. In the first CD, committees affiliated with the labor union SEIU spent more than $600,000 supporting Perry Gershon. And the pro-Trump Great America PAC dropped 350 k in for Zeldin at the end. The tone of the race has stayed intense, with the candidates fighting about mailers and insults. And there's been little to no consensus on important issues that affect Long Island and the country. I asked Sister Mary Beth Moore if she felt the tensions over immigration were coming to a head. And she took issue with that phrase, coming to a head. I don't know what it means to come to a head. I, I always think it can't get worse. Than and coming to a head, we had a huge rally in Southampton in December of 2013, a freezing day. We had 400 people with signs, and the Senate had just passed an immigration, comprehensive immigration bill. We were waiting and praying and hoping it would go through the House, and nothing happened. So the story is nothing's happened, nothing's happened, nothing's happened. And, li- and life goes on. People's lives are taking away. So I don't know what it means it came to a head, or it could come to a head, or it will come to a head. We have to have comprehensive immigration reform. I'm a Long Islander. I grew up here. It's better for my my nieces and nephews who want to live in this beautiful place. 